When reading, we don't fall in love with a character's appearance. We fall in love with their words, their thoughts, their hearts. We fall in love with their souls. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I am Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. And today we're going to be talking about your support characters. So those secondary characters, the tertiary characters, your Ron and your Hermione and your Greek chorus, those are what we're going to be establishing today. So you said secondary and you said tertiary. What's the difference? So secondary characters are named. They're part of the plot. They show up frequently, if not all the time, um, but they are not the ones driving the plot. They're not the ones driving the story. The great example of this is in Harry Potter. You have Ron and Hermione. They are almost always in the story, but they're not driving the plot. They're there to support and help your characters. Your tertiary characters sometimes have names, but not I recommend really don't do it because they're the ones that kind of come and go. They can show up for a scene and then we never see them again. This is a lot of your barmaids, your enemy soldiers. They they show up. They can show up in droves. They can show up in like one or two. They're there to help drive the plot basically by being a target or a talker for the main characters to interact with for a short time and then just disappear. So that's your tertiary. So in Hamlet, you have the two guards talking outside before the father's ghost shows up. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yes. Are they, they aren't main characters because the play is not, that particular play isn't named (laughs) that. Those would be tertiary characters because in the play, if they have their names mentioned, it's maybe once or twice. And most of the time they're just kind of there as guards to talk about the story. Um, Very kind of Greek chorus-y sort of situation. What's, uh, what's a Greek chorus? A Greek chorus is very common in your classic Greek plays where you have a group of people, usually, you know, a dozen. or At least three. Yeah, at least three characters that kind of are there to kind of represent the audience for your audience to comment on what's going on, to help connect your audience, to bring them in and to direct them. They're often the ones to ask the questions the the reader is asking, in a book at least. Yes. Why are we on this planet again? Well, because of this. <laughs> and then your main characters can feel smart. So your red shirts. Yeah. <laughs> your Star Trek red shirts are your great chorus. So let's go back to secondary. Your secondary characters are so important. You cannot ignore your secondary characters. The great thing is, You can use cliches, cliches with a twist, because you don't want them to be the same thing as your tertiary characters, but you can use that really well. One of the best ways that I've seen this used was, again, in Brandon Sanderson books, um, his series, the second era of the Mistborn series. Your main character is Wax, or Waxillium, and his best friend, the secondary character, is Wayne. And he is the comic relief of the story. He is hilarious. And it is pulled off so well because you have this super serious wax who can focus on driving the plot, who can focus on the investigations that they're needing to do. 
And then you have Wayne that steps in and breaks up all that seriousness with a joke, with a fun moment that helps the reader de-stress a little bit. Because when you're constantly in your serious moments, the reader can kind of get exhausted. Comic relief in your secondary characters is the best way to help them feel refreshed. So I want my main character to be really liked by the audience. Are you saying they shouldn't be funny? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> they can be funny, but it that shouldn't be their whole purpose. They shouldn't be the comic relief of your story because it can become a little bit There's difficult a- to follow. And to have the, the depth. Yeah. Of, uh, they the reader expects of the main character, I think. Yeah, especially in a mystery or a investigation type book, you're expecting your main character to be serious, to be focused on trying to get to that end. And if they're just laughing and joking the entire time, there's no investment for the reader because they think, oh, well, my main character is not taking this seriously, so why should I? But your secondary character can provide that for you, which was perfectly done, again, in The Alloy of Law. One of my favorite um, examples of the cliche with a twist is um, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, she, yes. she's she's got the the rolling pin. She's got the apron. She's got she's little stocky, super motherly. But ask she Bellatrix will Lestrange. Be, she will kick your butt <laughs> if you mess with her. Yeah. I love Mrs. Weasley. That's that's your cliche with a twist. And the purpose, in my experience, of a cliche is to make it so that the reader quickly understands and doesn't need to think about the character, doesn't need to spend time on the character because we should be emotionally investing in our main characters. Yes, your main characters, you can make them diverse. You don't have to make them cliches. Secondary characters, use your cliches to establish what that character is for your reader. Tertiary characters, just straight cliches. You know, you have that classic barmaid, You have the soldiers that are big and gruff and talk in a low, gravelly voice. Those are super easy because they're never named. They're not going to stick around for very long. The reader doesn't have to spend time on your tertiary characters trying to figure them out because that, that pulls them out of the story and focusing on the wrong things. But I don't want my story to feel cliche. How do, shouldn't you avoid cliches in writing? No. Cliches are your friend. Everybody, especially new writers, really want to avoid cliches. And it's understandable. Nobody wants to write the same book as someone else. But there are ways to use cliches in your characters that won't make your book feel cliche. If you are making sure your main character and your main antagonist have that rounded feeling, make sure they're the ones with the complexity. And your side characters, your tertiary characters, people won't even think that they're cliché. They will just skim right over that and be like, oh, yeah, that was a pretty awesome barmaid. Or, yeah, that was a pretty awesome soldier. Because that's what they're expecting. And if they're not going to stick around, what is the point of spending a chapter explaining them? What was the point of spending forever explaining a tree? Yep. Back again to secondary characters. Some of your other secondary characters are your mentor. Gandalf, Dumbledore, Obi-Wan. The people who are teaching, the people who are explaining helping push your main character along. When you are building your mentor, they cannot be able to defeat the bad guy. There has to be a reason why they can't do it when the good guy should. Lord of the Rings did a great job with this because 
The reason Gandalf couldn't take the ring is because he would fall to the same seduction as everyone else who would possess the ring. You had to have someone like Frodo who was pure of heart. You have to establish in your mentor why they can't do the job of your main character. Let's talk a little bit about writing humor because again, we already talked about your secondary characters can be your comic reliefs. Your tertiaries can also be your comic reliefs as well. The main source of humor belongs with your support characters, not with your main characters. Your main characters can crack a joke once or twice, but it shouldn't happen all the time. When you're writing humor, layering, Douglas Adams, he does a fantastic job layering humor. He will start with a joke in the first act, and then he'll bring it back with a new element, and then he'll bring it back again with a new element. So he's layering it throughout the story and it makes it funnier all the way through. Another way to layer humor is to think about the different audiences that are going to be reading your books because you have young adult novels where your adults are also going to be reading it and they will understand things that the kids don't. Yes. And Shrek. Yes, absolutely. You have a wide variety of, yes, cliches and that's kind of a lot of the charm of Shrek, but you also have the fart jokes and the antisocial just go away jokes and you know this the musical singing so the bird pops joke. All of these little jokes for different kinds of audiences. And sometimes they'll say a line that is funny to a younger group because of one thing, but it's funny to the older groups because of another thing. If you can write that, congratulations, write that. If you can write humor that's interpreted differently by different groups of people, that is a talent and use it. Yes, most definitely use it. The best advice I can give you for writing humor is to make yourself laugh. Again, forget your target audience. Ignore them when you're writing it. What makes you laugh? Because if it makes you laugh, it will make someone else laugh. And likely that someone else is in your target audience. When it comes to timing, it has to be what feels natural. Because if it doesn't feel natural, it won't be funny. Any other things you wanted to mention about support characters and secondary tertiary characters? Don't forget about them. Please. Please don't. Don't make the only characters in your book your good guy and your bad guy. Your audience's favorite character is often going to be your secondary tertiary character. They're not going to be the main character. Yeah. Going back to Wax and Wayne, Wayne is by far my favorite character in those books. He is a hat-loving kleptomaniac. Yes. (laughs) So those are the people that people like because they tend to have that humor, have that easily relatable cliche that doesn't make them have to ponder. So as you're writing, what do we want you to do? Write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.